the guys from Ping, they've kind of shown me how much the equipment matters. I just love that I can hit any shot I kind of want. We're going to be able to tell some fun stories about what goes on here to help golfers play better golf. Welcome back to the Ping Proving Grounds podcast. If you're not watching this on YouTube, uh, you might need to change that. We are in one of the coolest rooms in all of golf, Shane Bacon with Marty Jertson. We were kind of going over the coolest rooms in the entire sport. You think about Champions Locker Room. There's probably some historical room in the RNA that I don't know about. Yeah. The tap room at Pebble Beach, Arnie's office, and then the vault yeah. room, the ping yeah. vault putter room that we're in right now. And I mean, you want to see gold and you want to see success. This is it. Yeah, this is, this is an amazing place, Shane. It never gets old coming in here, and there's a, the story behind every single one of these putters is, is uh, quite phenomenal. Not just the story of how they did to win either the golf tournament they did, the U.S. Amateur, major championships. There's some clubs in here. You see Louis Hazen's uh, four iron he hit at the Masters, yep. Bubba Watson, the 52-degree, famously that he hooked, obviously, in that playoff. But, yeah. you know, I mean, I mean, there are stories about the technology that goes into these putters. And as we talk about proving grounds, this is basically the success story, right? This is the end-all, be-all from when things started to when they ended here. Yeah, this is what all the players are, are out to do. They're out to win, and uh, especially the major championships. Uh, that's quite fun to, to look at those. And that, that's what we're doing at the Proving Grounds. We're working on technology, engineering, design, fitting to help players uh, get in the vault. Yeah, I love the story of the gold putter, if you never heard it. Carson Solheim was trying to get creative in how to send things to players that won golf tournaments that were using a ping putter. Yep. And back in the day, I mean, you'd get a $100 or $200 check, and he said, why not send something more creative? And so he sent a gold putter and kept the gold putter, and yep. those gold putters went from his closet to a big room to a big room, and now obviously into this vault and a much celebrated room uh, in golf and both in ping history. Yeah, I think it's it's fun to come in here and, and uh, pick out your favorite putter, your favorite experience, things maybe. The weirdest putter. The weirdest putter that's <laughs> in here. A couple of different looks yeah, in there's here. Yeah, there's some, there some prototypes in here for sure we were just taking a look at, some big aluminum putters <laughs> and prototypes. And, you know, Lee Westwood's a fun one because he has, I think, uh, over 50 putters and 17 different models. So, you know, it was fun to come in here with him one time. He got all his putters out, and you can see how much he switched putters over the years. Yeah, you, you told, you're telling me a story about not just him pulling the putters out and looking at them, but actually asking for a cast of one of the gold putters that he could go back and use again? Yeah, we, we, uh, we, used, we used a putter because he was in the lab. He was working on his putting technique, and his hands got kind of low and where he was gripping it. Uh, it got too much in the fingers. He was getting a little too wristy. He was like, oh, I remember, you know, I, I want to get more set up like I did back in, you know, the early 2000s. So we went into the vault. We grabbed a couple of his putters that he won with, and they're built to the exact same loft and lie with the exact same grip that he used. And sure enough, he got more co comfortable, stood a little taller, changed where his grip was, and we ended up building a putter for him. That year, that was based off when he won with. Based on what he won with, so we, we used it. <laughs> yeah, history, history plays. Uh, before we kind of get into the crux of the conversation today, I wanted to bring up a very golfy thing to you. We were just talking about this a moment ago. It's about practice rounds. Now you play a lot of tournament golf. Yeah. You play a lot of tournament golf in Arizona. Are you pro practice round or anti practice round? If, if I've played the course and I know the course, and Arizona courses, I've played them all, uh, as you've played a lot of them too, Shane. Uh, I, I, I kind of skip, skip them. I skip them. I'd rather go do some block practice and work in my home course, as long as I know the course, right? If I, if it's a new place, I don't know it. Then you need to go do your homework. See, I'm 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 the opposite of that. I just don't do practice rounds anymore at all. It just Zero. costs me. You know what? I'm I'm two strokes behind the field to start. It's like the Go tour championship. I tell you what, Google Earth can do you a lot of good <laughs> when it comes to a practice round. Yep. So as we're looking at, as I said, the success stories. I mean, these are putters that won golf tournaments, and this is from concept 
to players' hands to winning to now you're forever in the history books in one of the more cool rooms in all, in all of golf. How does a product go from I have an idea to this room? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, it's it's uh, that whole product development process is pretty fun, Shane. And um, you know, we, it, it starts with an idea. That idea can come from anywhere. It could come from you you saw something in another industry. It could come from. Uh, you know, kind of an inspiration you have on, on your own individual level, uh, an idea from another sport. Uh, I think whenever I think about innovations and how a product comes to be, I think the turbulators is a really fun, good example, right? We saw in, in another sport on a helmet, these little ridges on the edge that gave a little advantage, aerodynamic advantage, and that kind of sparked an idea, hey, maybe we can apply that principle to golf clubs. But from that, seeing that idea to bringing it to market is quite a complex process, right? You kind of have this, what we call a phase one, which is making one prototype test the concept. So the very first version of turbulators was just welding on little ridges to the end, taking it out on, on, on TrackMan and in a launch mar, did it speed up the driver? Not yes or no. It didn't look good. It was ugly. It was a crude prototype. Uh, but from there it's like, Hey, yeah, it looks like there's something to it. Let's go a little deeper. Let's do some wind tunnel testing. And then once you get there, that's not the end of it. Cause then you have to figure out how to ramp it up into production. You have to figure out how do you, how do you manufacture it? So that's its own, uh, uh level of R and D, right? A lot of times you can have an idea, a technology, it's kind of quote unquote easy to design, but the manufacturing is the hardest part. So each one of those steps along the way is quite rigorous. I mean, are you, you see a helmet because I think the turbulators is a great starting point here because you know, you're thinking about a driver that had always been flat on top. Yep. The crown had been flat yep. and all of a sudden you've got these bumps on top. You know, you have yeah. to explain that story to people for them to kind of buy in. Yeah. I mean, you know, people don't like change and they don't like anything that looks a little yep. bit different. So are you drawing this out? Or, I mean, or how are you putting a prototype together that has these little ridges on top of a driver? Yeah, there's a couple ways. I think we're doing more and more virtually now. But at that point in time, we literally just welded little <laughs> titanium strips on there, right? So we want to make a physical prototype. Uh, but now we're fortunate we're doing a lot more uh, virtually. So we can go to the computer, go into our CAD system, which is computer-aided design, 3D system. And we can just draw little ridges on there. And we actually can now, are so advanced, we have a software called Computational fluid dynamics CFD. doesn't come on my computer when I, when I buy this at the store. <laughs> cfd software but this is like a virtual wind tunnel right so and then we can throw air at it um, and see what's going on where's it separating we can do a lot of virtual experiments what that does it allows us to make turbulators of different heights different angles different numbers of them and we can run a lot of virtual experiments quickly then we validate it with a physical prototype how long is that process i mean you're starting from i saw a helmet with bumps on top to I now have what was the first one the G30 yeah G30 driver I mean there was it was a good three years okay right if rigor each each step along the way is pretty rigorous and if we made a mistake on the turbulators and designed them you know fifty thousandths of an inch too short or too big <laughs> you can go from helping the aerodynamics to hurting it that's how precise you need to you need to be with uh, you know with a design like that so over three years um, are you talking 
100, 200, 300 different prototypes that you maybe have messed with, even if it's on the computer, to get to the one that you know will work for what you're trying to accomplish? Yeah, the, the computer simulations, you can do a very high number of iterations. Right. You want to be a little more, more cautious on that, making physical prototypes, because it takes you know, it's a lot of time and expense going into it. So we try to narrow it down in simulations. Then we went, for example, we made, we, we toured our machine shop, right, where, where we, can, we have a lot of CNC milling machines. We made a solid aluminum driver that had a bunch of inserts in it with turbulators of all different shapes and sizes. We took it to the wind tunnel and a and, uh, very controlled experiment, and we popped in all these different variations of turbulators, and, we got, and then we took data on it. And that, that gave us the rules that we can play by, right? And then we need to make them look good, too. That was my next question. It's just aesthetically because, again, yeah. I mean, as we joked a minute ago, there are some different-looking putters in here. I mean, yeah. there's some putters that you would never, in theory, think would be efficient or would work well. And then there's obviously plenty of traditional-looking putters yeah. in the vault as well. When you go you know, kind of on the extreme – how much does the aesthetics play into it? Because you still got you guys still got people interested in buying the product. Yeah, absolutely. You 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 want to make it inspirational. So a lot of times that is our challenge. Is is uh, it's it's that marriage of art and science, yep. right? And that's what beautiful golf clubs that work good are, right? Is you don't have to sacrifice one for the other. You could stand at the intersection of both of those things. What concept that is now a product was the hardest to get pushed through that you were working on or that you worked in and around? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, I think each of the technologies has had different levels of challenges. Some of them have, you know, kind of USJ conformance challenges that you're kind of that you're kind of working on. Some of them have manufacturing challenge. Some of them have durability challenges. I mean, even I think back to even just putting a mat the matte black finish on our driver, right? We kind of that's when caught you saw cars on the road that this cool matte finish. Hey, I want to do that on a driver. Uh, Is that where you, that came from? Was it, yeah. was it driving by a vehicle? That's where it came from. And I got a, kind of a fun story on that. I was playing in the PGA Championship. I was playing in a practice round, and we hadn't launched it yet. This was at uh, Atlanta Athletic Club, I think 2011, PGA Championship. And I was playing a practice round with Miguel Jimenez. And we, we had shown him, I think, our I-20 drive or something as a prototype at that time. And he was like, hey, that's going to be good. When you're about to tee off, one of the problems you're faced with is is the crowd starts to get quiet and the marshals raise the quiet sign. And sometimes you can see it in the reflection of your driver. So I'm literally playing with him a month later and I'm in a practice round with him and we're about to tee off. And I remember it got really quiet. There's a handful of people around. And then the marshal goes like this and right on my glossy G20, G, G20 driver at the time, I was like, that's it. That's the pain point we're solving with the map finish. You're like, he told me it was going to exactly. happen. You know, it doesn't feel like to me that ping is necessarily on a timeline in terms of new clubs. So what does a new club have to show to you guys and to players and to your professionals to get pushed through and then to be introduced to the public? Yeah, it's a great question. So yeah, we, we as you know, Shane, we, we set pretty aggressive goals for ourselves that every time we come out with a product, it has to be meaningfully better than its predecessor. Okay? And is that quantified in terms of numbers being meaningful? Because, you know, I mean, meaningful, I guess, to any golfer could be picking up two or three yards, yeah. right? What's the definition of that? So we'll set design goals. Hey, okay. you know, G430 driver, we want to have X percent, X you know, miles an hour, higher ball speed. Okay. We want to improve the spin consistency a certain amount, or it could be an acoustics thing. You know, we, we need to get a, a perception rating uh, that our players love the sound of our driver uh, substantially better than its predecessor, right? And that could be a goal for us. 
uh, from an acoustic standpoint. Yeah, make it sound better, make it look yeah. better, and obviously make it perform yeah. better. I've always been interested in testing, and by testing, I mean using the players that you might have on staff. How much in terms of testing something new, especially something big that yeah. you know is going to really blow up the industry, how much do you lean on professional golfers and people on your staff to test it out, try it out, and get feedback from them? Yeah, quite a bit, especially as we're getting right down to the finish line of the product, right? And we want to make sure it is going to be meaningfully better for them, right? So we bring them in uh, before we launch the product. You know, quite often we're doing it literally here at the Proving Grounds. Uh, it's kind of living up to its name there to stress test it. Make sure it's solving the right problems for them. We've done our due diligence in the design process. We have a lot of good good player employees here. But ultimately, I mean, especially if it's a you know blade iron or blueprint iron, uh, something like that, we get the tour play directly involved in, in, in the in the final development of it. I mean, something like the Blueprint Iron, uh, we partnered right up with the tour players doing the, during the entire design process uh, to make sure we're optimizing the size, the blade length, the look, every, you know, the, the turf interaction, uh, the acoustics, everything of that nature. And, and you're taking that information. So like uh, Tony Finau says, you know, the top line could be adjusted here or there. How much of that feedback are you actually taking in and changing the equipment? Yeah, for an for an iron that's specifically designed for the best players in the world, a ton. Okay. I mean, we're 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 driving the designs directly off of them. I mean, I, I even remember we did the I i10 iron we work with chris demarco a lot on that iron right we we shape things and shape the top rail and and uh he was one of the main main drivers on on everything that, that came to be so our better player irons we use them a ton what's the biggest misconception that the general public has about golf equipment you know maybe, maybe they think one thing and, and you guys know the opposite yeah, I think I think it kind of goes back to I think that the general public thinks that we're making trade-offs that are kind of zero sum. Okay. Like, oh, you know, I'm going to play a more workable iron, therefore it's going to be less forgiving. Or I'm going to play a lower spinning driver, therefore it's not going to go straight. Right? I think that's the biggest thing is that you can get two positive things at the same time. We've proved that, right? We have a LST driver. It's low spin and it goes straight. Uh, and it has high forgiveness. So we can, you, can, you can have two good things happen at the same time. I know everybody's different and every player's different, but when you introduce new equipment to your professional golfers, how many questions are they asking about it? Are there some players that ask nothing? And is there some players that ask everything? Oh, man, that's a great one, Shane, because they're all over the place. Okay. You have field players that don't want to know the physics. They're all about the field. So, so they, I mean, they're, they're professional golfers now that if you send them a new driver, they're like, cool, sweet, thanks. We, yeah. know, we know you guys rocked it. Yeah. I mean, nowadays, almost everyone's using a launch monitor. But even then, I mean, some people are still going by the feel and the flight <laughs> a little bit, you know. And then you'll have others that get they, – they want to know exactly what you changed, why you changed it, the details of the specs, uh, and they get very mechanical. So there's – is a broad spectrum. I'm actually surprised that there's that big of a spectrum out there on, on, on tour. Which player have you worked with? You mentioned Chris DeMarco. Which player have you worked with over your years of doing this that kind of understood the most about the equipment they were playing? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it comes to my mind like Jeff Maggart. Okay. He got really into the details there. Uh, I think Mark Wilson one that was one that got really into the details of it. Um um, let's see, Daniel Summerhays. I mean, that guy got really into the nitty gritty. And then, uh, you know, non-staff player for us, but Charles Howell. He got he got into the physics and, and down to just the, asking the question after question after question. Yeah. Just really wanted to know every 
like micro inch of everything that was going on. Exactly. Just I mean, crazy. Yeah. Dan, Daniel Summerhays was a fun one because we've we've done some real fun micro t- tweaking with his equipment. He spent a lot of time in our 3D motion capture system, really trying to, when you don't hit it far, I mean, one of the biggest challenges is you have to really squeeze out maximum performance out of the rest of your game. Have you ever not tweaked something and told a player you tweaked it? Because I used to do this when I was caddy and you just lie about the numbers. To oh, the yeah. Player. I mean, I think our, our tour reps, I mean, they would have some stories about that. We can ask uh, <laughs> yeah. Kenton and oh, Christian yeah, it's, about. It's, it's, a, it's a degree close. <laughs> exactly. Go ahead. You're fine. Um, which club, driver, fairway woods, irons, wedges, putters, which one takes the most time to create? I mean, the driver is the most complex because you're pushing the envelope. You're pushing the manufacturing envelope. You're pushing the envelope on you know performance and volume and CT and and there's there's uh, it's going to be the most measured. Is everyone measures ball speed and forgiveness and straightness? So, I think the driver you know uh, and you're pushing durability limits. It has a last for all these young college kids that are swinging 130 miles an hour. Oh, no. You know, so you're pushing on all these limits at the same time. So the drivers is by far the most complex. Marty, as we look around, I know you mentioned one of the putters that you designed goes on to win. What is it like internally when you see a club find this level of success? Yeah, there's a lot of pride to it. And I know uh, all of us in engineering who've, who've worked on product designs or, or touched the, the process in any way uh, take tons of pride in it because we know the, the players are – this is their livelihoods. I mean, they, this is what they're working towards. And then we get, they get out there uh, – and get a victory with a product that uh, we've either personally worked on with a lot of blood, sweat, and tears ourselves, or touched in any fashion uh, through that process. Uh, we're, we're always tuning into the tournaments, and it's we celebrate. We're, there's always a celebration after one of our one of our tour players wins with with the product that we've worked on. Is there like a tally board somewhere where you can go? All right, that's five. That's five victories with I, my driver with my I, hybrid. It, it, there's some official and unofficial tallies oh, nice. that are taking place amongst us nice. in engineering. All uh, right, I finished. <laughs> exactly. I guess I'm going to win the cup. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it's got to be such a cool feeling. Especially, I mean, you said your first club you designed. I mean, you go into a, a golf shop and you're seeing people take notice of it or pick it up or hold it in their hands. Yeah. I mean, this has got to be such an elevated experience to actually see a driver with turd bladers on it. Yep. You know, in, in on the PGA Tour, on the LPGA Tour, winning golf tournaments and really hitting a drive on the 72nd hole that finds the fairway and goes 325. Yeah, exactly. I mean, one of the funnest ones I think I saw back here was uh, Lee Westwood with the fetch putter. Now, some people are kind of like laugh at the fetch putter, but we designed it because there's a lot of folks out there that have a hard time picking up their ball out of the hole. There's a real friction point. So we designed that fetch putter. He loved it. Small face, helped him concentrate. And he was leading the tournament, I think it was in, in Dubai or Abu Dhabi. And I actually sent him a message the night before, hey, if things go well, don't forget about that feature of the fetch putter. <laughs> he tapped in his putt on the 18th hole, put the fetch putter right down the hole, lifted it up, raised it. And that was one of the funnest moments. I would say that if there's been a putter designed by anybody at Ping, Lee Westwood has used it and potentially won with it. Because <laughs> exactly. His wall's mostly over here. And yep, as you said there's the earlier, right you there. see just about every design possible. Marty, we're in the vault. Do you have a putter in the vault? Uh, Shane, yes, I do. I have you a do? Putter. I have a putter that I designed. Okay, that's right. right. You know here, what? I think the that's a win. Crazy one, the JS. Is that the only one, one that's in here of the crazy one? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think there's two. I think I saw another one. We're talking about a crazy putter. I, I mean, looking around this thing, there. and you talk about total different yeah. designs. That's, uh, um, that's actually the sister of one of our employees, so uh, Louise Freeberg. Nice. So yeah, her sister works here, and and so yeah, I don't have one yet. I know we're gonna Let's get put there. it that way. We're gonna get there. Uh, I mean, this is as I said, one of the coolest, craziest rooms in golf. And as someone that's been here for so long, I mean, you've got to feel 
you know, you've got to feel honored to just be in here and be able to see all the success that the equipment that Ping has designed over the years has, has created. Yeah, it is quite fun to kind of look around and see the diversity of all the models. And then you have, uh, you know, you have some some players like Seve and Tom Watson. They have the same model in here, right. but but literally like hundreds 35 of them. Yes, times. exactly. <laughs> and that is something you see, same putter, same putter, same putter. Yep. It is quite crazy. Well, I'm Shane Bacon. That is Marty Jertson. And this is the Ping Proving Grounds podcast. <laughs>